All discussion during the Invest Wisely program is intended for informational and educational purposes. It is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. We do not offer tax, accounting, or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor before making any decision that could affect your tax or legal situation. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. You should carefully consider investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of any investment before investing. Diversification and asset allocation do not guarantee a profit or guarantee against loss. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC. The program is called Invest Wisely. The expert is Walt Sukira. He is the managing partner of the AKW Group here in Fairlawn and also in Washington, Pennsylvania, an organization that invests their clients' money in individually owned stock portfolios custom-made to the desires of each client. If you have any questions about the stock market, about how the AKW Group works with its clients, you can give us a call anytime this half hour, 330-673-1234. That's at a back one in on WNR.com. It's toll free if you'd like to use that number too, 800-669-4100. Walt, last week, last couple of weeks, stock market has been starting slow, but always kind of finished strong. But this week, in spite of an effort to finish strong on Friday, they still closed down a bit. For the week, uh, is that going to be a harbinger of things to come? It could be, Bob. Um, you know, we look at the market; it, it tagged a record high at the beginning of the week, and then it retreated. As you said, it came back on Friday, but couldn't get back up over those highs. But uh, again, been been an incredible year, any way you look at it. Um, last week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average did close down one point one percent, lost about three hundred ninety five points. Sits year to date at fourteen point seven percent. The S&P 500 index closed off about 0.6%, lost about 26 points for the week, and sits year-to-date at 18.3%. The NASDAQ closed off 0.7%, lost about 108 points for the week. And again, uh, is close to that Dow Jones Industrial at 14.2% year-to-date. And then there's the Russell 2000 stocks, the small mid-cap, off 2.5% for the week, a little tougher week for those stocks. Uh, down about 55 points, uh, and we're sitting here today a little under 10, 9.8%. Um, there are a lot of concerns that, that came about last week. Um, I think investors are starting to kind of have concerns again, supply chain disruptions, uh, vaccine efficacy, uh, Fed tapering, the Fed meeting coming up this next week in Jackson Hole, uh, China's regulatory crackdown, the Afghanistan, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of things out there. We saw the energy sector close out about seven off seven point three percent for the week. Oil prices were down quite a bit, which should help a little bit with those inflation numbers. Uh, materials were off about three point one percent. Consumer discretionary down two point two. The winners for the week were healthcare, utilities, uh, consumer staples, and information technology. So, pretty interesting week all the way around, Bob. And um, you know, I think again it's Still really good returns year to date, and you know anybody that's been in the market still probably is pretty happy at this point. 
You know, well, investors talk about the, the wall of worry. My wife calls me the human wall of worry. <laughs> but but the investors, to stay invested, of course, they don't have to, can't be distracted by all this worry. But what are the current worries of investors, and are any of them of a great concern? Bob, they are. I mean, worries are always there. Um, you know, I think good investors can uh, see through these, think a little bit longer term. Uh, but impacts, you know, in the short run, obviously, you know, come through these worries. So uh, we look, you know, we talked about, it, again, the economic impact of this Delta, Delta variant. Um, you know, we'll have to see how things go here in the fall and what that means to our economy overall. Um, we talk about concerns about growth and earnings. We're coming off a really good quarter. As we talk about it, corporations, it, it gets tougher. You know, they're, they're their own worst enemies. You know, when you have good results, you have to continue to put up good results and expectations continue to rise. So a lot of our companies will face very difficult comparisons as we go forward, a lot tougher. Uh, concerns about the vaccine, um, you know, the efficacies of vaccines and boosters and those kinds of things. Again, we talked about the geopolitical environment, which seems a lot more shaky today. Um, a lot of concerns about what might happen on a, on a geopolitical end. Uh, supply chains continue to be disrupted around the world, and, you know, that's causing some inventory shortages still and inflationary kind of concerns. And then just the general stock market being at such high valuations, Bob. You know, I, I, we, we're sitting at highs, and, and everybody has to recognize that you got to really I think know what you own and know why you own it at this point. That's why we really focus on individual stocks and not the stock market. I think there's still some opportunities out there, but there are some things trading near highs uh, for sure. Of course, that valuation you talk about, especially with the S&P 500, they've been hitting records all through the, the year here. But uh, when you look at the S&P 500, of course, it has a fewer stocks than most people would realize. I talked about the S&P 500 for a bit. Now the, the top 10 stocks there are weighted and contribute to the valuation and earnings. They, they do, Bob. And, I, you know, we talk about the S&P 500, but it's a market capitalization weighted index. And people have to understand this. You know, the companies, these 10 companies, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Tesla, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, NVIDIA, J.P. Morgan, and Johnson & Johnson, they contribute almost 30% of that index's weighting and almost 30% of the earnings that come out of that index. Now, there's 505 stocks currently in the S&P 500, again, a little more than people would think. So those other 495 stocks, you got to kind of take a look at them. What we see is the top 10 stocks have really high valuation, but the valuation is warranted because they're they're just so profitable, and, and they continue to be really economic juggernauts and uh, producing great revenue growth and profit growth. When you look at the other 495 stocks, it's not quite as scary. You know, that, that S&P 500, the valuation changes quite dramatically when you look at those, get outside of those top 10. But those top 10, you know, like I said, you know, people pay up for a reason. When you have a great company that's uh, producing great results, you know, there's a lot of promise as you look forward. So uh, you have to kind of weigh out these valuation concerns. Uh, anything we look at, Bob, you know, PE, um, you know, Schiller's PE, dividend yields, price to book, price to cash flow. I mean, anything we look at, we see very high valuations uh, currently in the stock market. And again, people just need to recognize that and be ready for it. Uh, there could be some volatility coming our way. 
Once again, we're talking to Walt Sakira of the AKW Group here in Akron. If you have any questions for Walt about investing money in the stock market, 330-673-1234 is your number to call. Now, we look at all the trends and insights that you're talking about. Do you encourage our investors to think for themselves? But you look at some data every week that uh, is, a, I guess, a, a grist for the mill, as they say. So what have you uh, seen so far and uh, some of the kind of data, data you'd like to talk about for this week? Well, Bob, one of the data points we want to talk about, because I just think people sometimes are mistaken, it's become such a political minefield when we talk about you know high-income earners paying their fair share. Uh, but there was a, a report that came out by the Brookings Tax Policy Center. They do this, this uh, study often. And in 2020, they kind of looked at taxpayers, and about 61% of taxpayers owed no income tax last year. Uh, the top 1% paid about 28% of all taxes. The top 20% of, of wage earners out there paid 78% of all taxes. 43% of the middle paid zero. Um, so if you think about the lower income earners in the middle, a lot of them paid zero. And a lot of people got money back uh, through stimulus programs last year. So uh, again, this is a hot button, a political hot button. We always hear how the wealthy don't pay their fair share, but it surely looks like the Brookings Tax Policy Center uh, proved that that's not really the case. And uh, the media will never really kind of share this out there. I think, again, it's just popular opinion that uh, wealthy people don't pay, and, and those people that uh, on the lower end always pay way too much. But uh, if you look at the real numbers, that's not true. Now, you also talk about uh, your emotions when investing, that people should control your emotions and, and think with their head. How easy is it to do that, uh, considering how many investors out there do tend to, to go with the heart first? Well, it's it's very difficult, and, and I think newer investors, Bob, show this. Um, there was a, a really interesting survey study by magnifymoney.com, uh, that looked at some of the, the newer investors out there. And over, uh, I think it was 60-some percent said that they made decisions emotionally um, that they, they wish they wouldn't have made. Uh, you know, and, and again, it's really high in, in younger generations, like Gen Zers, 18 to 24, that are probably out there trading on that Robinhood platform. The number's way over 80%. Millennials, close to 80%. Uh, Gen Xers closer to that 60% range, baby boomers in the 50% range. So again, a lot of people are are making trades out there on emotions, and uh, they also said in the survey that uh, 30% of them have cried over trades that they made. Um, Bob, I can tell you, we don't cry here; we control our emotions here, and I, I think calmer calmer minds always prevail. Uh, there's a great quote by Warren Buffett that says. You know, you're going to continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you or that is done to you. True power is sitting back and observing things with magic. True power is restraint. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. And I think that's really what we try to practice here. I always say the biggest difference between me and a lot of people, I have no emotion when it comes to this. I, I Over the years, you just kind of learn how to control it, and uh, it's important that investors learn that. When you talk about investing, again, you look at some of the things people do. They're often accused of investing while, while drinking. Well, recently a study published that says that alcohol consumption is rising, especially at home. Uh, since the pandemic began. Well, this would be a very controversial area. How could an investor actually profit 
from uh, from the booze binge. Oh, it's interesting, Bob. We call it DWI, drinking while investing. Um, it said that uh, the same studies that over 30% of U- U.S. retailer investors have traded stocks while they were drinking. And again, that's something we surely don't recommend here. Um, you know, drinking is a trend that's out there. It's a very controversial trend. You know, we have some investors that just want to stay away from stocks like this, which we totally understand. Um, you know, again, I try to put those things to the sidelines and look at things where we can make money. Uh, we've been a long-term holder of Brown Foreman, uh, which obviously owns the Jack uh, Daniels brand. Uh, other companies that we've looked at in the past, uh, Diageo is a big one, Constellation Brands. Uh, in the small mid-cap arena, we've looked at Boston Beer quite a bit, which owns things like uh, Twisted Tea and Angry to Orchard. So I, I think there are stocks out there to take advantage of the trend of alcohol consumption. There, there's a lot of alcohol consumption that goes on. Uh, we saw a recent journal uh, publication that said uh, from, I think it was from, let's see, March through September of last year, $41.9 billion, a 20% jump uh, in, in beer, wine, and liquor sales uh, during the pandemic, uh, people drinking at home. So, that you know, alcohol consumption is a big part of our economy, Bob, and there are ways to profit um, if, if uh, you know, your, your standards allow you to invest in those kinds of positions. We're talking once again to Walt Zuckerum of the AKW Group here in Akron. If you have any questions, it might be a good time to call right now as we'll shift into our stock talk segment of the program where Walt will talk about specific stocks that he's watched out there, how they performed this week. If you have any questions about a stock that you'd like to know more about, uh, call us, 330-673-1234, or again, outside of Akron, and on WNR.com, toll-free, 800-669-4100. Well, NVIDIA is a long-term holding in your core equity portfolio at the AKW. Group. We've talked a lot about that over the past few years, and right now they're sitting at an all-time high at $208, a share of 60% uh, here to date. Uh, tell us about NVIDIA, and if you plan to continue to hold it, or maybe it's time to take some profits. Bob, NVIDIA, again, is one of those really powerful companies. Again, we talk about them being a, a leading designer, graphic processing units. Uh, these chips are used in all kinds of markets. Uh, when we talk about gaming, um, artificial intelligence, autonomous driving, um, you know, the high-performance uh, chips that are used by a lot of the Internet behemoths like Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft all use these GPUs um, in, their, in their searches, uh, their visual searching, and their, their warehouses. Uh, so, again, NVIDIA, again, put an amazing quarter up, $6.5 billion. Over 3.8 billion in revenue—that's a 68% uh, revenue increase, an 89% earnings increase. And again, Bob, we just see incredible power, and in, in these, this company is playing in a lot of the areas that we think are exciting technological areas in our economy as we look forward. So, uh, you know, we like Nvidia here. It's it's a powerful stock. You're surely paying up for the the price at this time. I mean, it's not cheap. But again, if you look three to five years out, I think a lot of people will be happy that it's in the portfolio if you're a true investor. So you talk about being a true investor, which means long-term investing. And you said three to five years for NVIDIA. So it's a case of like letting the winners run and then uh, uh, keeping the things going with them as long as they're, as long as they're doing well? Yeah, Bob, we, we let our winners run. You know, again, it's easy to take profits when something goes up, and it's easy to sell a stock that you've done well in. When you recognize there's, you know, 
financial power and, and reasonable valuation. If, if the financial power continues, the valuation will become attractive again. So, yeah, even though the stock is subject maybe to some downside risk, um, volatility in the market, the stock will probably fall greater than other stocks because of the valuations. But again, in the, in the long run, and if you, if you can look out that and think longer term, I, I believe holding winners, holding stocks with incredible financial power will, will pay off in the long run, and we continue to believe that with NVIDIA. Another stock that we watch, of course, is what's happening with Amazon. They are going to intensify their retail presence now with plans to make more actual brick-and-mortar retail locations, starting with a show, a big 30,000-foot square foot store in California, and then one here in Ohio. Interesting. Uh, going kind of, kind of like reverse the trend. We're going from online now to brick and mortar. Now, what does that uh, tell you about the retail market? Well, it's extremely competitive out there. You know, we saw Amazon. Actually, there's some belief, and, and we'll, we'll see the numbers eventually, that they eclipsed uh, Walmart is the, is the United States' largest retail seller. Uh, again, uh, if you look from June of 2020 to June of 2021, they're talking about $610 billion, uh, in sales at Amazon, which would be above the $566 billion at Walmart. Uh, again, keep in mind that both you know, Walmart and Amazon now sell other, other retailers' products. Um, there's an estimate that Amazon has 2 million third-party sellers. Uh, Walmart has over 100,000 third-party sellers on their e-commerce site now. Uh, but that's the first time in, in, in a long, long time. you got to go back, I think, uh, uh, to when Sears, uh, back in the 1990s, was, was the largest retailer. And then Walmart kind of overtook them in 1990, and they've been the largest retailer. Uh, if you look at this, you know, the, the U.S. store count, you know, is Walmart has 4,473 locations out there. Amazon has 589 locations, distribution centers, 158 for Walmart, 185 for Amazon. Uh, the build-out continues. The competition continues dramatically. Uh, the e-commerce side, that's, you know, that's very powerful. Amazon's at $367 billion versus Walmart at $75 billion. But I think what Amazon is showing is that this omni-channel, the ability to use the storefront uh, to allow people to pick up product, to return product, um, all that is uh, very, very important to consumers. You know, consumers have the power. Uh, we want it the way we want it, when we want it. We want to take it back how we want to take it back. We want convenience. Um, you know, we are extremely spoiled today as consumers. Uh, we order things and walk to our front door and almost expect them to be there after we order them. So uh, the companies that will win will continue to, to you know, to uh, take those technological advances and continue to satisfy those consumer demands. And uh, it's going to be a battle. And, uh, you know, I think Amazon's out there doing what they need to do. And, again, Walmart, I'm sure, will have competitive responses. And, you know, we see other retails like Target out there competing as well. I mean, so there's there's a lot of competition in that retail front. More competition from Home Depot and Lowe's. They reported last week Home Depot is a long-term holding, again, in your core equity portfolio. So what do they tell you from Home Depot, and are you still uh, bullish on that stock? Yeah, we are, Bob. Again, Home Depot continues to benefit from trends we see out there. We know that people are still putting money into homes. Um, uh, we still see you know, the, the home inventory has become 
smaller out there, and people are living with their houses now and continuing to put money in to update and renovate. And uh, the home flipper market is still pretty intense out there. So Home Depot put up a nice quarter, 8% revenue increase, uh, $41 billion over $38 billion, a 13% earnings increase. Uh, Lowe's, uh, you know, had a had a pretty decent quarter as well. Um, they they had smaller revenue increases, only one percent, but about a thirteen percent uh, earnings increase. Uh, we continue to favor Home Depot. It's the world's largest home improvement retailer. Twenty three thousand or two thousand three hundred warehouse format stores out there. Over thirty thousand products in their store. A million products online, and again, operating from the United States, Canada, and Mexico. So uh, we favor Home Depot at this moment, and uh, we'll continue to own it in that core equity portfolio. Let's take some calls now for Walt Secure on Stock Talk at 330-673-1234. Good morning. You're on WNIR. Morning. Just wondered, uh, it's kind of frightening going by these car dealers, and there's no new cars, none on the showrooms, and uh, just used cars. and uh, called the John Deere dealer, and everything's sold. There's no, nothing to buy. And I ordered a tractor six months ago, and and they keep pushing the uh, shipping date three weeks at a time, ahead, ahead, ahead. So it's kind of frightening. But that old saying you guys mentioned a few weeks ago about as General Motors goes, so goes the country. Uh, I wonder if you think that still uh, applies, that old saying. Ken, I think it does. You know, I think that uh, we definitely see the backlog, like you said, in, in the supply chain. And I think the you know, the microprocessor, from what we see, what we hear from the, you know, our analysts and so forth, a lot of that's starting to be resolved. Um, hopefully that uh, those inventories can come back up quickly. I know the dealers are going to really start to struggle out there, and they already are in, in some in some capacities. And Again, as we talk about, you know, consumers, we, we don't like to be disappointed. I'm sure you want your John Deere tractor delivered. You know, it's uh, not like waiting for stuff. You know, it's been many, many years uh, since we had to wait around for things, Ken, right? So right. I, I think that's what's important right now is we, we got to get these supply chains back up and running. And, and they're still struggling a little bit. You know, COVID changed a lot. And uh, and then when we get that back up and running and, you know, inventories get back out there, I think consumers are proving they're willing to spend. I think a lot of people want to spend. A lot of people want to make these purchases. Uh, one company to keep an eye on this weekend will be Advanced Auto Parts because they report this week. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do because, this, you know, if people can't get cars. they got to keep the ones they have, and we'll see how that plays in the, uh, the you know, the auto repair market. Yeah, that uh, I have one here that uh, a stock, Organon, it was a spinoff of uh, Merck, and the symbol is OGN. It pays 3.4%. And I heard that uh, Warren Buffett's group just bought a, some of it. And uh, it's women's health. Mm-hmm. My wife was familiar with some of the products. And is that a, like uh, you guys have AbbVie? Do you, do you, have you ever looked at this OGN? We we have. And, yeah, I'm familiar with it. You know, as you said, those spinoffs, uh, sometimes they... Yeah, they do really well. Um, I think women's health is a is a big area. Um, you know, again, it's uh, women tend to outlive men, and uh, you know, if you look at the mortality tables. So again, from from our end, anything that plays in this women's health area probably probably has some uh, some opportunities to it. 
Uh, the last couple quarters, they've struggled a little bit in revenue. It'll be interesting to see what the product pipelines are and how they can kind of get the growth up and running. Uh, I think they were down 32%, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, earnings this last quarter as well. So a lot of this comes down to that financial power. If they can, if they can get the right products in the pipeline and show some revenue and earnings growth, they truly have a good story with the women's health. Okay. Okay, well, have a good week. Thank you. You too. Thank you for calling. You know, while getting back to John Deere, as uh, as you mentioned, the uh, supply chain problems are causing difficulty with John Deere. So they released a rather negative forecast last week, and they saw their stock fall about 8.5% at $351 a share at the close. Now, do you think John Deere at this time would be a buying opportunity? It could be, Bob. I mean, again, this is one that we've always liked. It's just getting in at the at decent prices. So, yeah, when we see those kinds of sell-offs, uh, you know, for the week, that definitely, you know, kind of opens my eyes a little bit. I get a little bit excited when I think things like companies like this fall a little bit. Um, they had, you know, they had a really solid quarter. I think long-term, this is a, this is a winner. You know, they have a wide moat. Their brand is unparalleled in the world. Uh, they sell throughout the world, and again, it's the company kind of company we like to own in that core equity portfolio. And you do own that right now. We don't own John Deere at the current time, but believe me, I'm I'm watching close, watching close. Ready to pounce, right? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> of course, to remind you once again, the, the AKW Group is affiliated with the Robert W. Baird Company, which enables them to provide all sorts of services, including private wealth management, uh, investing in clients in all over the world. In fact, they are located in Fairline, Ohio, where they can do estate plan reviews, uh, tax reviews, uh, Roth conversion analyses, uh, stock options analyses, you name it. If you have a concern about, about putting together a real investment plan, they can do it all for you with a, you know, a vast library of experts and information they can draw on for the Robert W. Baird Company. Also with that, they're offering their own programs to educate people and to help them in their financial life. Uh, baby boomers, retiring 10000 a day, they say. Of course, uh, right now, uh, there's a difference of opinion as when the uh, actual best retirement age could be, but you can retire at any age if, uh, if the situation is right. So we talk about the courses you have coming up that are going to talk about retirement. Uh, two actual courses, one for those who are not yet retired, whether they're in their late 50s or even still working uh, well into their 60s and 70s, and another for those who are already retired uh, that can talk about these various uh, concerns and, and uh, situations they may arise in. But when you talk about preparing for retirement, uh, is there a difference between those who are in their late 50s and early 60s versus those who are 65 plus and still working? There is, Bob. You know, I think that the key is when you're still working, you know, and I'm I'm at the end of that baby boom cycle, you know, heading into my, my higher 50s. Um, when you when you get to those ages, you, there's still a lot you can do. You know, when you're working, um, as far as your investment portfolio, you know, how much you try to save, uh, you know, there's a lot of flexibility that you have. When, when you get to that retirement decision and you cut off that income, then you start to kind of change the way you think a little bit. So, you know, we always, there, there are major differences, but there's always things you can do, you know, regardless of, you know, whether you still have that income in, coming in or you don't, um, the investments that you were able to save up, the way that you have those positioned, uh, the expenses and the way that you're looking at your lifestyle decisions, uh, the insurance options that you make. Uh, we've been, 
reviewing a lot of insurance policies for our clients, a lot of long-term care policies that people had bought that have inflation riders on them and things that you can do to change some of the expenses of some of those items, the estate planning decisions that you make. There's there's just all kinds of decisions that you have to think about and be careful about. But if you start younger, you know, if you if you do it in those, those 50s, uh, it, it makes it a lot easier to get to that retirement that you truly want. We talk about a retirement without compromise, Bob. I think that's the key. You know, a lot of people get to retirement and they have to compromise. We, we don't want people to compromise. We want them to have the kind of retirements that they truly want uh, and be in control of the decisions and the lifestyle that they want to have. And the sooner you start to plan for that and work for that, the better you're going to be. Uh, these classes offer the opportunity for people to still have the length of time before they get there to, you know, to take a class, think about those decisions, and then we also offer a class for people that, you know, have already made some of the decisions, but they can still optimize and make things better. Now, those classes are starting very soon, in a few weeks in September and October. Locally, they'll be held at the Kent State University Hotel and Conference Center, also in a location near Washington, Pennsylvania, for the group there. Once more, really quick, Walt, how can they get a hold of the registration form for those classes? Hey, go to the website. Um, it's akwgroup.rwbaird, and it's B-A-I-R-D.com, or you can call our office, and that's the best way. We're easy to talk to here. Just call 234-466-7476. Ask for Abby or Sue or myself, anybody here. We all fight to pick the phone up. Uh, we love talking to people that call in here, so give us a call. Again, thanks to Walt Secure, the AKW Group in Akron, 234-466-7476. When you call them, mention your interview on WNIR Kent Akron. We'll talk to you once more next week, Walt. Have a good one. Thanks, Bob. During today's broadcast, the following individual stocks were mentioned and discussed. ABV Inc., symbol ABBV. Advanced Auto Parts Inc., symbol AAP. Amazon.com, symbol AMZN. Apple Inc., symbol AAPL. Berkshire Hathaway, symbol BRKB. Boston Beer Company Inc., symbol SAM. Brown Foreman, symbol BFB. Constellation Brands, symbol STZ. Diageo PLC, symbol DEO. Facebook Inc., symbol FB. General Motors, symbol GM. Alphabet Inc., symbol GOOGL. The Home Depot Inc., symbol HD. Johnson & Johnson, symbol JNJ. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, symbol JPM. Lowe's Companies Inc., symbol LOW. Microsoft Corporation, symbol MSFT. NVIDIA Corporation, symbol NVDA. Organon and Company, symbol OGN. Target Corporation, symbol TGT. Tesla Inc., symbol TSLA. And Walmart Inc., symbol WMT. Please note that Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated makes a market in all the securities of these companies discussed during today's broadcast. In addition, Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated and or its affiliates have received investment banking compensation from J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, symbol JPM, in the past 12 months. And also, in addition, Robert W. Baird & Company Incorporated and or its affiliates have been compensated by J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, symbol JPM, for non-investment banking-related services in the past 12 months. Robert W. Baird Incorporated and or its affiliates have been compensated by Deer & Company, symbol DE, for non-investment banking-related services in the past 12 months.